Welcome back to the Philly Young Adults podcast. We are in to season two. Uh, a Ooh. few things look different here, even though you can't see them. I'll say number one, we have our boy Chris Lieberman in the chair. Chris made his fame on election day, some of you will remember. You remember? Yes, he did. <laughs> That's Hi, where it all started. That's where it all began. Hey guys, I'm excited to be back. Yes. And we're excited too. We have a new engineer. Tom McClave is at the buttons and knobs in the studio. In the we studio, get him a mic. we need to get him a mic. We need mm-hmm. to get an interface with more than four channels. Then I would get him a mic, but he's pointing right now, so he's here. Same At some point in season two, when you least expect it, you'll hear another voice. Oh yeah! All of a sudden, you'll—he's going to chime go. in. He's I'm laughing. Gonna, I'm going to submit a PO. He can't that. wait. Today, we are actually going to have a discussion surrounding the idea of FOMO. Brian, why are we doing this? So. Uh, not to keep bringing social media up about everything, but we did have a question that came in when we did the question and answer episode that just pointed out that there's kind of this baseline assumption that everyone uh, is always in the know about everyone's people's lives and that you can you have this pressure to kind of keep up in current events and people's lives current events um, and so there's a pressure to be checking with social media and all that but what that made us think about was the larger topic of fear of missing out in general, AKA FOMO. And we just thought it would be maybe good to spend some time discussing uh, FOMO in general, the big topic and not even as it's related to social media. So we uh, put some thoughts together. So here's a working definition that we pulled together from uh, an art, a couple articles. FOMO can be described as a specific thing you're annoyed or afraid of missing out on. So it's a thing that you're annoyed that you're going to miss out on it or you're scared that you're going to miss out on it. Something specific, an experience. um, The question from social media obviously expanded it to just being in touch with everybody all the time that fear so you know another way to put it is panic it would anxiety would be the result of fomo you would just be torn up that you, you could say probably afraid. depression to depression like, extreme right some sadness like oh yep. you know yep and the key thing there is with that definition is it's a thing that might be a real thing but it's an experience that we are constructing in our heads Right, which out on that thing, I'm way I'm thinking that it would be right. So it could be a real thing we're wanting, but it's it's an experience that we're making up. You know, it's not a real tangible thing in actuality. It wouldn't be tangible because we are not there and we don't know what it will be like, and we actually might never get there because of reality. So then we're imagining what it would have been like if I showed. So it's actually unreality. So what are some things that people fear missing out on? Well, I think ultimately we mentioned social media, but ultimately they all fun, fall under the umbrella of the good life, the best possible version of our life. We've created in our mind like this is what will give me ultimate fulfillment and happiness. And if I miss out on that, then my life is going to be less than what it could be. So some specific examples of that would be, uh, especially when you're younger, you know, a good time, the the great hangout, the awesome party, or even just being there for the moment that everyone's talking about. So it might not be that that was a specific, you know, like, oh, that was 
the awesome party or whatever, but it's, oh, you had to be there. You had to see what so-and-so said or, or what they did or whatever. And this actually kind of played out in my life I uh, to share a personal experience. When I was in college, um, it was never a specific thing that I was afraid of missing out on, but I would like be staying up. I lived in a dorm room with you know a bunch of friends and I'd be staying up way too late because I was afraid if I go to bed and something awesome happens tonight, if uh, something great happens, yeah, (laughs) I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to regret going to sleep. And of course it never did happen. There was never that unforgettable moment that I missed out on because I went to bed. I just, you know, was tired all the time and uh, taking naps during the day. But uh, we... You know, you construct in your head, well, if I go to sleep, I'm going to miss out on something better. Uh, You know, and that's something that's kind of when you're young and then you look back on it, you're thinking that wasn't super important. But then as you get older, it's sometimes bigger things. So marriage is a great example is people fear that, uh, you know, what are what am I missing out on? What if I never get married? What if I miss the opportunity to meet that one person I was supposed to marry or that all falls apart? A career could be a great example. Uh, you worry about, you know, did I take the wrong career path? Am I missing out on, you know, the most money I could make, the most fulfillment I could make? You know, the whole follow your dreams versus doing what's practical model. Uh, Identity, you can fear missing out on recognition, fame, popularity, or even uh, recognition, you know, socially. You can fear what missing out on being seen as someone who is, uh, you know, whether it's woke or whether it's whatever it might be in your identity, that thing that, uh, you know, not getting the recognition that you feel like, you know, everyone looking at you as socially acceptable or socially, you know, whatever it is, depending on what crowd you roll with. Do do you think that FOMO about marriage is a uniquely Christian fear? Do you think that right now in the culture, people are worried about missing out on marriage? That's a good point. That's a great point. Off the top of my head, I think yes. I think it is more uniquely Christian. I've talked to uh, at least one single guy from our young adults group in the past who had said um, they were exactly this. They were afraid they were going to miss out on being married. And I just made one real simple statement to this young dude. I was just like, you know that experiencing God and being Christian doesn't start and end with a wife. And he was just like, no one's ever said that to me. Like, huh? like, like he, like he was like, oh, no. like, like it was one of those things where he was just kind of like, I just always assume that when you're young and you love the Lord and you're in ministry and you're doing it's like, you have to find a woman. Like that's just the next step. And if you don't, there's a portion of that experience that you're missing out on. That's, that's essential. So here's the truth. There is a portion of it that you are missing out on. That's true. But that's not detracting from your actual experience of your relationship with God and Sometimes Christian men and women, I suppose, place those on the same level. My experience with God will get better hmm. once I get a spouse, and I think that that's just not true. I was also thinking that there are uniquely Christian FOMOs, like, um, can you pluralize FOMO? We Definitely. just did. More than one yes. FOMO. Silly FOMOs. Young Adults Podcast, yeah. Two FOMOs. pluralized FOMOs. We so when I was, so Chris, since you shared such a great story, uh, it occurred to me as you were talking, uh, in my early 20s, I read a lot of missionary biographies. There's probably not everyone listening to this, but I'm sure a few of you guys out there will have had experiences like this. You, know, you read Jim Elliott and like a bunch of others. 
um i think i started to get fomo of like i gotta be really honest the missionary life but not just the missionary life the famous missionary life like what if no one ever writes a book about me i was never afraid that somebody wouldn't write a book about me but i'm 30 this year and my entire 20s were actually plagued with uh, FOMO with the decision that I made for work. I, I'm here at Calvary Philly full time. Uh, and I and I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of times I almost quit. I, I was ready to walk out because I just thought I'm, I'm doing something. This is ruining my life. Like by the time I come out of this, if something changes in the world, if, you know, my wife winds up having twins and I can't afford it, like, no one, I have done nothing. I, I can't, I don't know trades that like so many times throughout my twenties, I was like, what if I'm making a major mistake? I like, probably didn't help you with that. <laughs> Brian Weed counseled me <laughs> perfectly through Jeez. all of my, t- but no, it's real that ar- around my job, I was like, what if this was wrong? Like I dropped out of college. I jumped in here by the time I was 21. Like wh- what if I, what if I made a mistake? Like what, you know, I, I feel that. Yeah, and in all of these things, it's kind of like you were saying at the beginning, we create these parallel, what we think are of as realities that are really just unrealities of there was this better version of me that <laughs> didn't get this job, at, oh but at gosh, 24, so I you know, went off and I got this dream job and everything turned out so much better. Yeah. And I, you know, or, you know, the same thing with marriage is there's this alternate timeline of my life in which I got married at 22. I had 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and everything was perfect. Oh, and also, you know, if you're a Christian, I was on fire for the Lord and never had a single moment of doubt or, you know, struggle. Like these are all of these alternate realities we create in our mind and we have to remind ourselves they never really existed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some might call it a multiverse. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> Too but far. it's true. I mean, I I can definitely relate. I don't have any cool stories like you guys did off the top of my head, but <laughs> because you're I more, missing you're more cool emotionally stories. stable than all of us. I can, <laughs> I can well, I'm about to show you how I'm not. I could totally relate to constructing an expectation in my mind of something and then it not happening that way. And then you're like, oh man, like you're disappointed because you created this expectation in your head, which maybe that, you know, maybe that thing wasn't wrong, but maybe it just wasn't the Lord's timing or his will. And then you're like, oh, I'm bummed out now. But like, why? Because mm-hmm. I created the expectation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in my specific scenario, the Lord has proven faithful over and over and over. I mean, my life is better than I probably could have actually imagined it should have been. And the provision surrounding my present circumstance proves I wasn't making mistakes, you know, my entire twenties. And I think sometimes you just have to press in past what you're afraid of missing in order to see God prove faithful to you that you are not out of his will. You are doing the right thing. You are in line with what he wants, but it might just take years for you to see and look back and say, wow, like he really did lead me here. So, yeah, so I have some scriptures here, and one of the things I I would like to, we want to sort of, I guess model would be the word, is one of the great things about reading the Bible is that you, so much of what we struggle with, you can find answers to, but they're not, 
because the Bible is God's word and not my own solutions fed back to me, they're usually not exactly the way I would think of the problem. Sometimes they reframe. Sometimes, you know, the Bible will reframe a problem for you or it'll give you a solution that wouldn't have never occurred to you. And those are the things I think that help us learn the the best, learn the most, because they tell us what's really going on. And so I might come and say, I have this problem in my life where FOMO is just a constant plague, you know, once or twice a week, it's like overcoming me or whatever, however it works. And I might be like, I really need help from the scriptures. And then the Bible, you know, doctors do this, right? They give you, they give you solutions or tell you that you have a problem that you just never would have thought, you know, I went to the dentist recently. I was sure I had a cavity, uh, but no, I had no cavity at all. Good news, bad news. You need a root canal. So uh, that's just not what I thought the issue was. The issue was my my tooth was breaking, um, and uh, I just wouldn't have guessed that. But the guy who knew told me, and so the Word of God tells us what's really going on and tells us what we really need. And if we let it, we'll find solutions to things like FOMO, which may have been, never been the solutions we were thinking of. So I have uh, some scriptures grouped into three or four different groups, and we're just going to discuss them here. And I'm sure uh, you know anyone who's studious could go in and find more. There's probably more that we're not even touching, but here's just a few. So uh, I'll read the first one. We can talk about it and we'll bring other scriptures in. Galatians 6, 9, Paul writes, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So I want to assume something. Let's assume this verse comes to someone who has a life that's basically in order. They're not. They're not living in flagrant you know, sin or illegal activity. They're not just completely wasting life. They basically have a life that's in order and yet they get plagued feeling like they're missing out on other good things they don't have, whether it's a moment in time thing or an evening thing or big life things like, you know, we mentioned marriage. This verse from Paul tells me that I shouldn't grow, instead of looking at what I don't have, I should look at the good things God has given me to do. I shouldn't get tired of doing them which again is not something I would think of as a, as a remedy for FOMO, but I think it actually is because then he says, because in due season, we're going to reap if we do not lose heart. And so he says, don't lose heart, AKA grow weary and stop doing the good things you're supposed to do. Don't let FOMO, don't let what you're missing out on impact what you do have and what you do have to do. Don't let it make you weary of your life. Don't let it make you think your life is dumb. And then you stop actually acting on the good things God's given you why? Because Paul says, if we are faithful with what God's given us to do, we will reap. Now, he doesn't say what we'll reap, but the point is, we will get good fruit, we will get produce, we will get rewards for our labor. We know that, that you know, we're going to talk about this, there's eternal aspects to that, but it's probably not only eternal. And I guess I just the first thing I wanted to say is, it's worth it to continue in the life God's given you, full stop. It's going to be worth it. You will reap. And I think Whenever FOMO assails me, I could go, but wait, God's given me a good life to live. And if I continue faithfully, I'm going to reap. So that was the first thing I thought. Yeah. And verses like this could also speak to a certain existential kind of FOMO. You know, of course, things like marriage, career and stuff like that. But also, you know, growing weary and doing good. Could it also speak to a FOMO of what if I've gotten it all wrong about this Christian thing? What if I was better off living my own way? What I'm if, glad you brought that up. Yeah. What? the kind of an ultimate fear of missing out on fear of missing out on the good life because I missed it doing this whole Christian thing and wasting my time on that. I mean, I know 
those Isn't thoughts. Interesting temptation, so ex, so at the core of what it means to be a Christian, and you can be assailed with that kind of FOMO. Exactly, and I mean, I I know that those doubts have creeped into my head, and I have a hard time on to. I have a hard time believing I'm the only Christian who has ever thought that is like, is this whole committing my life to following Jesus thing even worth it? And Scripture says it is, but not because all right, it's instantly going to be apparent, but that it uses the sowing and reaping metaphor is that you're sowing these good things and you might go through a short or a medium or a long period of hardship, but in the end you reap. And right, that's so good, Chris. I'm actually really glad you said it because I wasn't thinking that, but I'm sure there's people listening who are like, oh yeah, totally. That's a total temptation Christians feel that in choosing the way of Christ, there are a lot of things we're going to forego and you get tempted to think you're missing out. And Paul addressed that, right, in the passage where he says, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then we are of all men most to be pitied. In other words, if if all we had was the Christian life now, you should pity us if Jesus wasn't really risen from the dead. A very interesting take on the Christian life, because there are great things about being a Christian. It's not that they're not, but there's also things that Paul went through that he expects Christians to go to. He says, this is not worth it if Jesus is risen from the dead. But then he goes, but now Christ is risen from the dead. In other words, all the future hopes have been guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ. Yeah, that's cool. I think what you guys are saying is really getting to the essence of FOMO in that it forces us to focus on what we don't have yes, rather than what we do have in Christ. And also, I mean, we know in Genesis, like this is this was Satan's number one tactic to trip up humanity. He said to Eve... You know, if you eat this fruit, then you will actually be like God. God's holding out on you. Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, implanting that seed all the way back There's something you're missing out on, Eve. Right. And it makes me think of uh, 1 John where he says, God's commandments are not burdensome. You know, the enemy wants us to think that God's putting a burden on us. We have to follow these rules, right? But that's such the wrong mindset. We're focusing on, we're fearful of what we might be missing out on. And that's a tactic of the enemy since the very beginning. A lot of these verses function not just to help us understand FOMO better and get past it, but to actually battle it. A lot of times you can use scripture to do the battle that you need done. So I think Psalm 27, 13, along these same lines, is sort of a battle verse. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, I think that when you get assailed with these thoughts, like, you know, I don't, things I don't have or what's really going on with my life, you could, you could use a verse like this and you could say, the scripture tells me I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I can just repeat that to myself. That, that's a promise. And the psalm writer tells us that if we don't hold that promise, we would lose heart. So uh, that would, you know, again, that that's the same phrase from Galatians 6, not to lose heart, to grow weary uh, while doing good. So we have to go, I, we have to repeat that to ourselves. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, we can use that to do battle. It's almost like part of it is so much of what is surrounding the idea of FOMO is future things that you'll miss. But maybe the best, one of the best ways to be, joyful in your present is to focus on the future things you're not going to miss like you're not going to miss out on the land of the living if you're in christ you will be there it doesn't matter if it takes you a hundred years on this earth and then pass away or if something happens and it's tomorrow you don't focus on the things that make you panic 
if you're not going to be there or you won't you you focus on the fact that there are incredible things that I will see and that I will experience and that actually gives you you know some kind of measure of present joy and ability to fight you know fear in the moment yep this also this verse diagnoses an issue with FOMO is that ultimately FOMO uh, comes down to a lack of faith. So he's saying that the way he was able to fight FOMO is, uh, well, not specifically that, but as we're talking about it, he was able to fight against losing heart by believing that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So if you are losing heart, if you kind of reverse what the verse is saying, then you might want to ask yourself, well, do I believe that? Do I trust that I really will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? In other words, do I really trust that if I just continue to live my life trusting in God, that I'm going to see goodness, that it's going to turn out right? What's up, guys? This is Josh. Thanks for listening to the Philly Young Adults podcast. If you have any questions about today's discussion or ideas about topics you'd like to hear us address on future episodes, you can message us on Instagram at at phillyyoungadults or send us an email at ebrown at ccphilly.org. But for now, let's get back to today's conversation. Yep, so here is another thought a couple shots of scripture here so philippians four nineteen, and this goes right on with what we were saying uh paul writes my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by christ jesus this is a theme that runs through scripture that we can trust god to supply our needs and i think this would be a battle verse too uh god will supply everything i need he has all the riches and glory in christ jesus to do this when fomo assails me when it attacks you, you can just say, God's going to supply my need. And I think if you say that in that moment, it immediately becomes clear that FOMO wants to say, yeah, well, he's not doing that right now. Or, you know, because again, there's there's the FOMO of, I don't have this life situation, you know, keep using the, the marriage as an image, I mean, as the example, there's probably other things. Um, there's that, he's not supplying it right now. There's also, again, I... I think there's the, I'm stuck at home, it's Friday night, and people, who who's out having a good time? Why didn't I get invited or why can't I go? Maybe not, but I think that's probably something people deal with. And is God supplying my need right now? And I just think that verses like this say, he will, I can trust that he, he is. You have other verses too. You have Psalm 23, right? Classic. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, which means I shall not be in want. I shall not be lacking. I know other Bibles say I shall lack no good thing, right? Yeah. Brian, what would you, or anyone for that matter, what would you say to a Christian who was single, who had this, you know, we? I think, again, marriage is a pretty popular one. Popular is probably not the right word. Common, I would say, maybe for Christians. What would you say to a Christian that said, well, aren't aren't I potentially going to miss out on marriage one day, even though, because in, in heaven, marriage is no longer 
scripturally a thing. It's the one negative thing about heaven that we all worry about. Right. Well, I, obviously I'm, that I'm seems ridiculous. I don't really think it's negative. Well, right. It I seems ridiculous that, that we yes. would say, oh, you know, this is negative thing. But yes. like, I could see someone having that question, like, oh, this is a thing that actually won't exist one day. Therefore, I'm fearful of missing out on it. Well, then I, I guess that kind of comes down to what has God actually promised us? And it's not that I will experience every possible good thing or good experience that there is to be experienced. What God promises us is fullness of joy, fullness of life. Uh, he promises that uh, we'll see his goodness in the land of the living. And that might not for one particular person happen to be, for example, marriage, or it might not be a multi-million dollar career or you know whatever it is he doesn't promise promise us every single one of those things but he promises us just that fullness of joy yeah so this is good because this pushes us to think down the line of the temptation if we say but what if i don't get married i mean you know uh we aim this at the young adults group, which at our church is under 30, but we have friends that have graduated from the young adults group. Oh, that's a funny term, graduated. They've got <laughs> we have a ceremony and everything. A diploma, it's on the wall. <laughs> I said that. Uh, and they're not married, uh, and maybe they're hitting their even 40s, and they could say, right, Brian, but it's not happening. And as we just said, it's not happening in heaven. Um, but if someone, you know, when we begin to struggle that way, I think to Chris's point, what we're actually saying is not, that I won't get married, but the fear, if the fear is attached to it, it's, and then I won't be what? Fulfilled. Complete. And God comes to us and goes, yes, you will. Right? So if I say, but God, if I don't get married, I won't be fulfilled. He said, yes, you will. Well, am I getting married? Well, maybe not. If you don't, God says, but you will. And that's what you're saying. Like the promise is you don't have to worry if you don't have the thing that you want to fulfill you because God promises the, the fundamental thing. He promises fullness of joy. He promises significance, meaning, and a never-ending life. He promises a name that can't be snuffed out. He promises that you will be included in the family. Uh, and so, I, so I, I think what you're saying, Chris, and so helpful is, if I say, but I have to have this thing to get there, and God says, no, you, no I can do it without that thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and Eight verses eight through nine, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, this is so cool. He has dispersed abroad; he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Those things are true, and happening towards you and for you, no matter what other thing is happening in your life. It's not that you experience those things once you hit this milestone. God has already done that. He's already provided sufficiency. He's already dispersed abroad. He's already given his righteousness out. So you, no matter where you're at, can receive that and be sufficient no matter what station of life you're in. And and Second Corinthians nine eight is is classic. I like so this is another verse and just I do this these kinds of things myself. So imagine I come to God and I say, um, I don't I'm lacking these things. I'm not happy because I don't have this or that. And then what if I tell myself, imagine that 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 is God's answer to me. So I come to him and I say, you don't have this thing. And he, and he says, well, I will make my grace abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency in all things and then can have an abundance for every good work. And my first thought might be, I'm not talking to you about if I can do good works. 
Like, why are you even bringing that up? I'm telling you I don't have this thing or that thing. And God might say again, but I'm going to make you sufficient to do every good work. Now, if he insisted on that was his answer and just made me stand there and think about it and just, I imagine Jesus just looking at me like, right? I guess what he would be telling me is, I will be fulfilled if I have an abundance for every good work. Oh, there's other things to think about. Is God equipping me to do his work in the world? Hmm. I guess if I don't have this thing, can I still serve God? The answer is always yes. So that means I can find the fullness of God's plan for me if I let him redefine what I'm looking for out of life. And whenever I find that stubbornness welling up on my heart and saying, no, I will not let him redefine what he wants for me in my life, then I'm not willing to let him be God. We Mm -hmm. all face that, and Mm -hmm. we all could not face Mm -hmm. it today and face it tomorrow. So no one stands above anyone else in this. This This is a thing we could, but whenever we face that moment, we have to go, I have to let God be God. Yeah, and I think that when we have these sorts of temptations, you know, once again, the marriage one is the obvious one, is FOMO immediately... Sorry, people. <laughs> it, but FOMO, you know, speaking from experience, uh, immediately causes you to look at someone else and be like, all right, well, everything else about me and this person is the same, but he got to get married and I didn't. And now and, his life is so much better. And now his life is so much better, you know. Uh, and... Uh, I mean, ultimately, and this is this might not be a satisfactory answer for some, but it just reminds me of the words Jesus said to uh, Peter when he was asking about what Peter had for John's life. And he said, you know, what Jesus it, had for John's life. Yeah. And he said, you know, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, you know, God promised every single Christian will get the exact same number of blessings. And, you know, it's not like, you know, your grandma who says at Christmas, I'm going to spend exactly this much money on each of you and you're all going to get exactly the same amount. You know, one guy might get these blessings from the Lord and another guy might get these. And, you know, we see in scripture and in life, blessings and also sufferings are not equally distributed among people. But at the end of the day, it's not well, I got this and he didn't, or I didn't get this and he did. It's, all right, what's that to you? You follow me. if like part of it is how hard or fast you're seeking those other things so the reason why i bring that up is people might hear this and say so am i not supposed to want to be married am i not supposed to want to do this or not want to go like if you come to monday nights you know that i would never say that. never say (laughs) that please ask somebody out Um, (laughs) i don't think it's that but i uh think it might have to do with the way in which you pursue those things, if you're driven by fear and panic and you think that all of that will settle down once X happens, you're wrong. Something else will well up in you that causes fear and panic that you're also now missing out on. So it's a matter of the way you're pursuing and seeking some of these things uh, in life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's why we're doing an episode on learning how not to fear missing out, not 
an episode on learning how not to work towards the things you yes. should do. Yeah, don't hear that. <laughs> no. But people do. They go, yeah. oh, so I just shouldn't even try. Exactly. No, we're saying, we're saying, get rid of FOMO. Don't don't be overcome by this this dry driving gnawing feeling that you're missing out. No, in fact. Is it isn't it interesting that in an age when something like FOMO is so far on the rise that we even have a name for it? At yeah. the same time, inactivity and impotence are also on the rise. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't let it lead you into compromise. Absolutely. So yes, I'm fearful point. that I might not get married. Therefore, while I'm really good friends with this unsaved person, this could go somewhere. You know, or if we look in Scripture, like Abraham is an example. He began to doubt. God's promised him to have a son, and he took matters into his own hands. You know, Ishmael, therefore, you know, is the result. Like, yes. don't let the fear, the FOMO lead you to compromise. Yep. So let's get even a little a little bigger. Verses in the Scripture will take us even to bigger places, like Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Psalm 16 is awesome, and this verse to me is like, is like the the peak of it. The psalmist says to the God, says to God, "You will show me the path of life." We all should ponder what that path is. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Uh, in the psalm, I believe we are contemplating possible death, but we are assured that. God knows that even if we face that, he knows the path of life. And he's, he's, the psalmist is pushing us by saying straight to God to think all the way into the presence of God. And this is what we were just saying a second ago. Fullness of joy, pleasures evermore. That's the ultimate promise there for those who uh, know the Lord. And yeah, if you think of our list that we made earlier, things people fear missing out on, you know, career, marriage, good time. You know, so if you were to put that on one side of the list and then this is the other side of the list, things that as a believer we know we won't miss out on, the path of life, fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It's like those two lists aren't even worthy to be compared to one another. It's like, all right, I miss and and once again, that's not to say that marriage and career and you know even good times sure. with your friends are bad or or even not nice things but if you compare you know if you give me the choice between that and the paths of life fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore i i think i know which option i'm taking i'm taking psalm 16:11 and if we learn to experience <clears throat> the truth of that passage that in his presence is fullness of joy then that'll help guard us against when we do experience those things that we want, a marriage, a career, uh, a job, when disappointment comes yeah. in those things, we'll, we can handle that better because we know like, we know where to turn. We know his presence. That is where complete satisfaction is. If I think, like you gave that example earlier, Tony, about that young man you talked to, if I think marriage is the ultimate place where satisfaction is realized, I'm going to be disappointed, oh, yeah. and I'm also going to place... Um, unrealistic expectations on that relationship. Yeah, what's interesting with that specific example is it's unfair to your possible future spouse. That's not right. You you can't. It won't support the weight of that. That's the need. best way to put it. Yeah, it's what you need in order to be satisfied is way too heavy to place on a woman or on a man or at whatever other thing put in whatever. the blank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so exactly plug these other things we fear missing out on into the psalm totally in marriage is fullness of joy some people would say oh yeah well it 
there is tons of joy, but this is saying fullness. This is saying absolutely fulfilled being. Or let's take a non-marriage one. In some, being someone who travels, right? A lot of people love to travel. Some people fear missing it. They're not going to get to see the cool places of the world. They're not going to get to taste world cuisine. Not going to have the fun times that come with traveling. But is is could we say in traveling is fullness of joy? Well, some people are like, that's what I need. Yes, that's what I need. But the answer is no, absolutely not. It's a cool experience, right? But it's not fullness of joy. It's not eternal. Psalm sixteen eleven speaks of eternity. It's not the path of life. These are these are big sort of archetypical uh, things we're working with. What is the path of life? It's the path that if you walk down it, you live forever. It's the path that if you walk down it, uh, just over the hill are is fullness of joy and pleasures evermore, right? Probably why the path of life shows up for you uh, in your dying moment, I would imagine. There's my little biased opinion. But if he's speaking just in terms of the path of life for me now, it's still applicable that nothing else in life can support these kinds of um, images. Or Psalm 36 sort of expands on a little more. Verse 7, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. The fountain of life there is probably something really close to the path of life. But I mean, that's it, right? You can imagine, could I, could I sit oppressed by fear of missing out in sadness or anxiety or depression or anger, whatever else comes with that, and then read those verses. Don't those verses demolish that kind of gnawing uh, feeling of lack, that I lack something? How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust in the shadow of your wings. I love verses like that. And I just want to submit that the year that we all just came through and whatever we're about to be stepping into this year, so many people, I think, are plagued with fearing missing out on the good life, to use Chris's frame of where this is at, because you're stuck at home, or you don't know if you're about to be stuck at home again, or uh, you, you feel like you literally went through 2020 and missed nine months of it because you did nothing. I just lost a year I of my life. I just lost a year of my life. Yeah. And I think people are like, what did that do to me? Like if I'm in the middle of my twenties or my early twenties, was that really essential? And like, I can't get that back. And maybe part of what's happening in the Lord's wisdom and his ability to subvert pandemics and crisis and wicked leadership or whatever you want to say is to show us that there's really only one path to the good life and to experience fullness of joy. And it has nothing to do with the other things that we put on the front burner. And we're finding that out because all that other stuff just got ripped from you because of a mandate. And did I really lose, if I lost a year of my life, did I really just lose one 80th of my life? Or, you know, those of you that are in your 20s, probably you think of your 20s as like, you really got to get a lot of them because that's the best part of life. That's what I've always heard. So you just lost a 10th of your life. Yeah. That's a big chunk. That's huge. You never get it back. But a Christian who lives forever... If you're going to live for 10 million years, how much of your life did you just lose? And the, the fractions and the things we're worried about missing out on get smaller and smaller and smaller as we incorporate in eternity and the infinite presence of God. I, I'll, okay, so yeah, that felt long. But actually, it, in, in the long-range scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a loss. Mm-mm. 
Mm. It wasn't. A, I mean, Jesus missed out on his forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. Yeah, but he didn't miss a thing, as we know. Um, Psalm eighty-four says it like this: A day. This is a lot of this in the Psalms. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. God is not going to withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Yeah. And if I'm reading a scripture like that daily, this is why we need to you know, have his word hidden in our hearts. It's going to help me like trust that and the Holy Spirit impress that on my heart on a daily basis where the enemy every day, you know, we know there's a spiritual battle behind the scenes. He wants to distract us from those great truths like, you you know, you just read, Brian, in, in the Psalms there. But if we're mindful of those things that he will provide all those things that we need on a daily basis, it's going to help combat those thoughts that we're missing out on things we think we need. And this is another mind... T- tweaking thing, right? All these scriptures do this. So I'm, I'm fearing that I'm missing out on something. This scripture comes to me and says, um, but no, but God's not going to withhold any good thing from you. Now, Chris, Chris, your point is great. That scripture doesn't promise he will give you everything that you can see is good in the world. It's just saying whatever good things you need, he's not going to withhold something that he knows would have been ultimately good for you. In other words, that you would be missing out with a capital M and O. He's not going to, you're not going to arrive in his presence and have him say, so, you know, I really actually messed up with your life. Uh, I, I kind of forgot to provide this for you and I never really got around to like giving you this thing. And yeah, you kind of had ended up living like a half life the whole time. Like my bad. My, yeah, I was going to say my bad. And my bad. And you're going to be like, oh, you know. I think Paul in Second Corinthians 4 would say the things that are not seen, you know, to use you said, you know, you were saying he's not going to add you everything that you can conjure up that you're familiar with. The things that are not seen are the things that you actually need the most that he will not withhold from you. Like you will get those things. C.S. Lewis illustrated that in a lot of his different works by saying that heaven, eternity is more solid than our world here. He He says we think of the spiritual world as almost like a gas. Yeah. Like we think that Jesus could walk through walls when he was raised because he was less than solid. So the solid, but actually in trying to illustrate what is actually the way the Bible talks about these things, C.S. Lewis said, actually eternity is more solid. The reason Jesus could walk through walls is because they're mostly empty space. And we know that's actually physically true. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that heaven, you know, he has that story where people who, who don't belong in heaven get to go see it. And even the blades of grass are like, metal razor blades and they pierce their feet it's too solid too weighty too and and that's actually very biblical the bible's words for glory can also be translated as weight the glory of god is the weight of god he is you know the biblical i mean the scientific concept of mass has to do with inertia solidity and weight and like if something is the more massive it is the harder it is to move the more substantial is it creates gravity you have to reckon with it and eternity is seen as being, I just love the way Lewis put it, more solid. So the good things that are coming are more solid and weightier and therefore more eternal than uh, whatever thing I might miss out on in this earth. And there is a kind of Christianity that preaches you're going to actually get all the things you want in this earth, and that's how it keeps people going. But the Bible doesn't really lead us to think that way at all. 
that's the exact opposite of what Paul says in Second Corinthians four. You know, he says, "For our light affliction," and you, if you know the life of Paul, you know that when he talks about light affliction, he's talking about one of the most difficult and painful lives here on earth that you can imagine. You know, the different uh, sufferings, the different beatings he took, the different imprisonments he took. But the light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a more, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh, and then as Tony said, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And a lot of times the worldly solution for FOMO is, yeah, well, but you might end up with a really great life here on earth. And what Paul is saying is, but you also might not. But that doesn't justify or validate your FOMO. If you, you know, as a Christian, end up with a life of a lot of pain and suffering, uh, this is a nice cheery message, uh, that doesn't mean that you were validated in your FOMO, that you were right to be anxious, that you were missing out. Uh, he says, because ultimately where we're finding our fullness of joy is in the eternal, the things that are unseen in this life. Yeah, and ultimately you will not miss out mm-hmm. eternally. That is guaranteed, mm-hmm. right? Um, there is actually a concept in, in the New Testament, I wasn't thinking about it, but the concept of shame the ancient writers used the concept of shame really differently than we did. And actually I think it's akin to miss like fear of missing out is fear of ending up with a life. That's like obsolete, obsolete, dumb, forgotten. No one would want it. Uh, kind of, you're kind of ashamed of it. It really actually is related to the biblical concept of shame. It's the life that no one would want. Yeah. And the life that misses out on glory and honor and riches and wealth. And over and over and over again, you just look it up. Uh, the, the Bible talks about not, I, if I trust in the Lord, I will not be ashamed. It doesn't mean I won't feel the psychological feeling of shame, although that's true. It's bigger than that. It means I won't miss out. I won't ultimately live up with a life that's just, that's just stupid and that who would want that and that I'll be like, man, I wish I did something different, that this was a bad choice. That's what it means when the Bible says you won't be ashamed. And I think that actually r- directly addresses the big fear, fears of missing out on big things. Yeah. It's really cool that God has guaranteed to us the greatest thing. So like in, in Luke, when Jesus says to the disciples, therefore I say to you, Luke 12, don't worry yeah. about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. And then he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, things, material things we think we need. God has you know, a sense of the things that we need here in this time. But he says, don't fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. He's guaranteed to us the greatest thing. But those other things that can cause us anxiety or, or fear of missing out on, he knows what we have need of now as well. And he is more than willing to provide those things because he's provided to us the greatest gift anyone could ever give in his son, Jesus Christ, so we could have eternity with him. And that verse 23 of Luke 12, famous verse, life is more than food. I think I tend to read it as him just telling me, life's about more than food. There's bigger things. But you could read it a totally different way, and it's directly related to verse 32 that you were talking about, Josh. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And you could read verse 23 as him saying, don't worry, life is a bigger deal than food. As if what he's saying is, you don't really need to worry about food because you have life. And then what that means is the kingdom of God is, he means they're synonyms. Life is the kingdom of God. 
I will give you life eternal. Life is bigger than the kingdom of God. And actually, Paul writes this in one of his letters. The kingdom of God is bigger, he basically, to paraphrase that verse, than food and drink. It's not about eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. It's it's about bigger things. Life mm-hmm. is bigger than this stuff. And I can just imagine, you know, us saying, Jesus, you know, th- this issue or that issue, and him being like, ah, oh, life is bigger than that, mm-hmm. with like a faraway look in his eye. And us being like, what? But life is bigger than food? What? Right. But, he's, <laughs> but when God says life, when Jesus says life, he's talking about something eternal and global and perfected and solid. That's life. He doesn't just mean unending physical existence, life eternal. He means life in the biggest sense. And we are the followers of Christ are promised that ultimately none of them will miss out on on life. You know? Yeah. We've sort of kicked that around as we've been talking with the idea of like fullness. That's that's I think exactly. that's part. Exactly. It's like it's a it's the whole package. That's what he means maybe when he's saying life. Yep. And you can take fullness of life versus FOMO. You know what I mean? Like it's I have a fear of missing out on something presently that I think is awesome. But it's probably because I'm forgetting that life fullness is already promised to me with or without that thing. Maybe a good way to end here is with Ephesians. Uh, I'm going to read this prayer, Paul's, and then you know, just any final comments from you guys. And then Chris is just going to wrap us up with just sort of sum up our whole discussion. But uh, Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. That's one of those passages that uh, Paul pushes us to see. The Lord is pushing us to think in huge terms, and the riches that God has given to us through the blood of Christ. And he wants that to be an emotional anchor and probably a power for the actions that God will call us to as we move through life. So It's hard to read that passage and think that as a believer you've missed out on anything. I've missed out, exactly. i just like to add one thing, too, I think is worth mentioning. Um, the thing in FOMO as we said earlier, forces us to focus on what we don't have. But God also wants us to focus. It's very self-focused, right? God, But God also wants us to focus on the needs of others. And First yeah. Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards over God's varied grace. So that's something that we can lose focus on, too, if we're being consumed by this thing that we're fearful of missing out on. Yeah. You want to wrap up, Chris? Sure. Yeah. So as we looked through these, I kind of noticed an outline of lies that FOMO tells us and then truth that scripture tells us that 
combats those lies. So the lies that FOMO tells us are that our happiness depends on us not missing out. And that would apply to any of the things we've been mentioning over the course of this podcast. It also tells us that there's a possibility that you're going to get less than the best if you do not actively take control to make sure you don't miss out. And that could lead to things like Josh said, compromise or uh, whatever, even just making a decision that seems to be out of the will of God. And then the ultimate lie it tells us is that God does not necessarily have your best interest at heart. Living the life he has for you could leave you with regret because there might be something better. That's, you know, out of the words of Satan to Eve in the Garden of Eden. The truth about FOMO is it's not just a distraction or a flaw. It's actually a sin. It's, uh, it comes from covetousness, comes from a lack of faith. It's also a lie. It's, it's based on unreality, not uh, on anything that we ever really had or that God ever really had for us. Uh, scripture also tells us that we have a loving heavenly father who cares about our needs and desires and has our best interest at heart. The promises that FOMO makes are incomparable to the promises scripture makes to the believer. Any good thing the world enjoys or believers feel that they're missing out on is a lie or an illusion, especially when viewed in light of eternity and the end of all things. And finally, that being a Christian doesn't mean that your life will always be perfect or even enjoyable. There's times where you're going to have difficulty, suffering, or even earthly missing out. But what we don't have to fear is ultimate missing out or having God's best be less than what we could have had if we had gone in the other direction. Um, we're going to do little meditations next week on characters in the Bible who combated FOMO as we see it today obviously there is no verse that will say that but based on our conversation based on things we're seeing in scripture five days of meditation monday through friday on biblical uh narratives that actually combated it. real people that lived in history that went through things that they were afraid of missing out on and how they worked through that with god and we hope that those meditations will help you too um they'll be short since you just listened to basically the knockdown drag out conversation on fomo so much love. See you later. See you.